Hello, and welcome to the SensiLab Creative AI podcast, episode 11. My name is John McCormick. I'm the director of SensiLab, and joining me at the console today, physicist and PhD researcher, Nina Redzic. Hey, Nina. Hello, how's it going? I'm good. And SensiLab app developer and deep learning expert, Dilpreet Singh. Hey, Dilpreet. Hello, hello. How are you? Good. All right. Today, uh, SensiLab has released an app called Art or Not. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the app, but also the broader implications of AI. So Art or Not is an AI art critic. It's an app that looks at art and decides for you whether it's art or not and shows you example artworks that are somehow visually similar in a nutshell. Dilpreet, tell us, how did you come to think about this app and come up with the idea? The inception of the app was, I think, happened around a year ago, and it was uh, kind of like the glasses on the SF MoMA floor kind of a um, scenario. Yeah, so this is actually an event that happened where somebody, some students, teenagers, teenagers, (laughs) reckless teenagers, left a pair of glasses sitting on the floor of an art gallery. Because they weren't impressed by some of the exhibits, so they were like, can we do better? Yeah. then there was, you know, there was there were crowds taking photos of, of the glasses and people wondering, is that art or not? Mm. So yeah, a friend and I had a similar experience at a contemporary exhibition where we were kind of unsure whether this really neatly tied piece of wire, a piece of yeah, wire on the on the wall was art, whether it was part of the exhibit. It was it was really well done. We honestly had... <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean it was well done? It was... It wasn't with art. It was tied up so neatly, like <laughs> way better than you do it at home, right? It was just beautiful. Just so wire. This, there was something about it that you thought, this is, I'm in a gallery, it should be art, and yet it's something yeah. that's not art. Because, I don't know, you'd assume that they'd conceal wiring. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if, if there's an exhibit on, you'd conceal the wiring because that's not part of the exhibit, so you don't yeah. want to show that off. And it does sound like something I've seen before, just a bit of wire coming out coming out of a wall, being wrapped up. I think that sounds familiar to me. I think right? I've seen, yeah. yeah, yeah, you I see that. I can see how you get yeah. confused. Exactly. Yeah. This and is on your regular visits to, to galleries. You see a lot of this stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And we sort of stood there and we wondered whether it was art or not, and mm. we thought it'd be great if we could just have an app pointed mm. at the wall and be like, mm. can you tell me, please, if this is art or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, okay, six so months on. Yep. <laughs> It turns out this is this is a possibility. Machine learning has <laughs> taken us to a point where we can make this, and so we've made it. Wow! All right, and so was that actually art? The did you, did you ever find out? Um, what do you think, though, intuitively? No, it wasn't. You really think it wasn't? No, it I was, don't think it was just some. Right, it was just some, powering. Oh, okay. Mm. The the exhibit, which was in the center of the room, actually, so they had to run the wire up the wall. So we're pretty sure it wasn't, but it would. Was it plugged in? It was. Yeah, it was plugged in. in. (laughs) Yes, it was plugged in. It gives it away. (laughs) Yeah, but it it sort of made us stop and wonder. Mm. Uh, So tell us how Art or Not works. So it's an app that runs on your phone. Yes. What? What? How do you use it, and what? And how does it work? Okay, so there are two aspects. Uh, One is yes, the part that runs on the phone is so you open the app. You take a picture. When you take a picture, it runs that image through a convolutional neural network, specifically a ResNet, mm-hmm. um, which computes features that sort of describe the image. These features, v- visual features. Visual features. Yes, yeah. it sort of breaks down the image into 
2000-ish features that are sent to our server, mm -hmm. which is a second aspect. The server has, think uh, we have a data set of around 100,000 artworks, mm -hmm. similarly broken down into those 2000 features. The image that the user has sort of captured that gets sent to the server is looked at in comparison with actual artworks. Mm. So, but you're not actually literally comparing the image, you're comparing the features of the image with the features of the artwork. Yes. Yep. So our data set is basically a large definition of different styles of art. Mm. So we look at whether the image that you took matches those attributes and depending on where you sort of land. So it's not a direct line, whether it's yes or no. Um, it's more sort of like a distance measure mm -hmm. of how far the image is from being in art. Mm -hmm. And based on that, we sort of make a judgment call of whether what you took a picture of is art mm -hmm. or not. And it's not a binary, is it? So it, it's got a, a lot of witty aphorisms about um, what, what it is. So it doesn't just say that's not art or that is art. No. It, it, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I wanted to add personality to the, to yeah. the art critic mm. uh, because it is supposed to be fun. Mm. If it was very sort of simple in its decisions, it would... You, I wouldn't use it. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that the fun aspect is what makes it, you know, you want to point it at things and see what it comes out with, what sort of quips yeah. it has mm. for you. Yeah. How do you imagine people would be using it? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too seriously. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I don't want people going around thinking the National Gallery of Victoria and then uh, pointing yeah. it at artworks and then telling the curators, well, that's not art. I don't know why you have it on the wall kind of thing. Why not? People do that all the time. <laughs> that is true. People yeah. do do that. But I don't want them blaming me okay. for, for their decisions. Yeah. So have you tested it on stuff that you definitely know is art? Like if you put it at the what Mona Lisa. Well, if you uh, okay, <laughs> good question. You put it at the Mona Lisa or, you know, Monet's water lilies or... It loves Monet. Uh, does it? Yes. Okay. It, because the data set that we have is sourced from the Metropolitan Museum of Art mm. and the Art Institute of Chicago, mm -hmm. but these artworks are in the public domain. So, which sort of basically means that they're extremely old, right? All these artworks are sort of... So does that mean the critic's like a cranky old critic who only likes modernist paintings and doesn't Ooh, like contemporary art? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> ah, yes. I tried it on some of my artworks. How did that go? Yeah. Didn't go down well. <laughs> so, yeah. but it was interesting because mine passed. Yeah. It was passed, yeah. okay. Yeah, mm. so it, it does have why, a preference. Yeah. <laughs> Would you call your art old-fashioned? No, I mean, it, it really is just a mirror, so oh, okay. <laughs> I'm portraits so still. I'm yeah, it take does have portraits as well, I think. Yeah. Oh, so you can take a picture of a person. I mean, you can, you can take a picture of anything, yeah, can't you? Yeah, you can take a picture of yeah. anything. Yeah, um, it, it ignores the context completely. Correct. So yeah. it's mm -hmm. up to you to sort of frame whatever you're taking a photo of. But I... We have a colleague here who sort of got a friend to download it and this friend's partner is an artist who pointed it at some of the artwork and it didn't go down too great. <laughs> the art <laughs> yeah, was a bit harsh, maybe. So, you know, the person thought that the app was rude, oh. which which I really don't want I've people to I've never heard of an app being called rude before. I think that's quite... Interesting. Yeah, it's great. People think it's like a real living thing, right? So it's actually yeah. like an art critic. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that people will take some kind of weird level of offence to something that is just coming from an algorithm. I think that's really interesting. Do you think? I don't know. I mean, algorithms tell us lots of things all the time and we don't 
we sort of take them as, I mean, often you think of computers as being infallible and, I mean, obviously this is kind of interesting research, but it's, it's a little bit tongue in cheek too. It's not, we're not seriously claiming that we're going to replace art critics, although I'm sure there's a lot of artists out there who would love it if um, <laughs> they were. But, you know, you kind of often think of, of an algorithm as being completely impartial. So it, it would be unaffected by any kind of emotional attachment or that they know the artist or that they, you know, it's in a, it's in a gallery. So it's not looking at any of those things. It has no kind of emotional baggage or historical baggage really mm-hmm. that it that it brings to the table. It's purely just looking at it from its visual characteristics. Mm. Yeah, it does not care whether you're an amateur or a quote unquote professional. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I guess it doesn't do well on conceptual art. What was her art? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I did mm. not check. Yeah, because conceptual <laughs> because it doesn't really have that in its data. It doesn't know what the concept is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh. So- I see a new app idea there. <laughs> Good concept in. Well, so since we put it out, a couple of people have suggested some ideas to it. I saw someone on Twitter suggested that um, if it could tell you how much like the existing works it was. So if you take a picture of, of a painting, it says that's 60% Van Gogh and that's and 70% mm. Monet or whatever. Mm. Would that be possible? Is that feasible to do? It would be. Uh, you'd have to categorise your data set by artists. Yeah. Or a certain style, or but you could definitely sort of break it down as whether it, the the network thinks, you know, what the distribution across a different artist is. Yeah. But the problem there is, you really need a very good spread of artists, and you'd have to cover a lot of ground because the network would essentially have to assign probability to the categories. The mm. categories being the artists in mm. this case. Mm. So if it was some random image, you know, like they could, you just took of the floor, it might come up and say, well, that's 30% Rembrandt or whatever, um, just because it has to assign. We might go down to the level of the individual artist. It might be more like that's, you know, 40% impressionism, 10% surrealism and 3% generative art or mm. whatever. <laughs> and, or, and, and then 90%. John McCormack art yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I think we actually need to add some, add some of your art into the database. So well, it's not doing a good job at recognising yeah. my work as art, which I find yeah. quite offensive. So I agree that it's a yeah, rude, it's a very rude app. Yeah. And even, so it does, it does have a little, it has an adjustment, doesn't it? That you can make it a little bit more generous or a little bit more mean. Yes. So yeah. there's a bit of personalization depending on how open your interpretation of art is. You could sort of influence the art critic, you know, whether you think everything is art. Maybe you want the art critic to be a bit more chill. Uh. Uh, many people think of art critics as chilled, mm. but. I know. This yeah. is, but this is what we can make. We can make a, mm. your personal art critic. Mm. I like it. I mean, the, the whole idea of having an art critic is a really, it's a kind of relatively recent thing, too, right? So people have been making art for longer than there's been, mm. I assume, well, the formal role of critiquing it, although maybe people, the earliest days of art was sort of more around narratives and storytelling or like cave art about, you know, representation of scenes that were special or important to people. The whole idea of a critic being someone who has to interpret art for you is sort of symptomatic more of modern times where there's a whole lot more intellectual history and visual understanding about artworks now than there's ever been in the past because art is, you know, because it's, it's had, particularly in modern times, it's had hundreds of years of, of a fairly sustained academic development, like formally. Mm-hmm. In this app, you're kind of throwing all that away in a sense, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think a traditional art critic goes around and 
classify things as art or not. No, right? they, that's not really their role. Like, this isn't really art. Is yeah. that a normal critique? But why is it no, that people really. want to know? Like, it is a common thing these but days is, for people yeah. to go into galleries and because yeah. they expect to see art, but to be so unsure of what contemporary art is that you can put a pair of glasses there or you can coil up a cable neatly and people go, was that, I'm not sure, is that, should mm. I be reading something deeper into this? Mm. Is it, why is that, do you think? Is it is it because contemporary art has become so introspective and so much of the dialogue is sort of revolves around itself? Yeah, it's super mm. meta, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it alienates a lot of just like the common kind of public, like in the art world. It- well, in a way, but look at the success of those blockbuster exhibitions where they get, you know, hundreds of thousands of people coming through to see the art. Yeah. No, I think I mean obviously it's like it's having it's having its moment as well, but I think that you see so much online about people just you know getting angry. They get angry. People get angry about people get know, angry about a lot of things. Well, they get angry about a lot of <laughs> art do. as well. Like yeah. not just contemporary art, but people don't understand it or they don't really see the value in it. Maybe it doesn't have necessarily technical skill attached to it. And I think yep. c- certain types of people get annoyed by that. Which I actually feel like I'm the opposite. I don't I feel like I, an art that is just technical annoys me like technical skill like just like a nice painting that's painted well mm-hmm. so Nina if you were at for example say a Sotheby's auction and a new piece of GAN art <laughs> came up for sale familiar. and you were ready to you were, you were ready to whip out your wallet and make a bid would you use the app would I use the app to figure out Ooh. yeah if you should bid oh see I, I don't know I like my use of the app I like to I, I actually like the idea of using it on something and it's showing me that the thing that I've made is actually so unique that there is nothing else like mm. it. So actually, you actually like, want the I, negative. You want it to say I not mean, art. Kind, kind of. Like it's like if if it's, I don't know. No, that's a good point actually. I think because yeah. it is, it does show that it's not like 100,000 other artworks. That it knows about, yeah. 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 And I think that actually is for me that kind of constitutes like if you're making art, you know, if, if I'm if I'm making a, a painting and I'm kind of just like copying some kind of style that I've seen before, I, I don't feel comfortable with that idea that, that that's what I'm making is art. But that's just a definition of art, I guess. But if you're actually contributing something new, I think that's interesting. So Another application that we've sort of used very similar technology for was an earlier project we did, which was called Camera Obscura. And that was looking at it was using a similar technique to try and allow people to find inspiration in their environment. So this, I mean, part of what this does more seriously is that it allows you to explore a gallery collection or a large number of galleries collections in a way that's not just going through a website and saying, I need to know about early modernism or Mm -hmm. impressionism or something. It's just saying, well, look, you're interested in this object. Here's a whole lot of things that are kind of like that. And I mean, one of the things that you've done, Dilpreet, is allow people to link back to the original image. So you can click on a link and it'll take you back to the museum where the original artwork came from that it's like. So you can discover a collection that way. Mm. Yeah, that's that's my... Favorite part of the app. That's our monetization option, I isn't guess. it? So, hello, exactly. any, galleries any galleries that are listening, yes. if you want to sponsor the Art or Not app and have your collection put onto it. <laughs> yeah, be featured. Yeah, be featured. Yeah. Um, it's like the Google top 10 results, you know? Oh. The first one is up for sale. Yeah. <laughs> the first? Oh, really? You guys. <laughs> I'm joking. Will it have ad on the... Well, yeah, we've got to be clear okay. We've got to be transparent. Mm. Yeah, it'll but, be in very small text. And but I do like the surprises that the app throws when you just sort of. I just like pointing it at interesting objects, which I, you know, in, by interesting I mean you know like cool textures or mm. composition. I find it's just then you sort of see what 
it will think is similar. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that sort of leads to discoverability that isn't really possible mm-hmm. with these gallery collections. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. So here's an interesting question for both of you. Some art is very visually focused and it focused on aesthetics, but that's probably the, minor- the a small minority of contemporary visual art. It's much more about the idea or the concept or the interaction or the social mm-hmm. that it does. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would ever be possible to have an AI that understood those kinds of things or, or not? I mean, because visuals, yeah, okay, it's easy in a sense because there's a lot of research on understanding the visual content of images but there's a i think it was actually mark mark andrevich who was on the last episode who had showed a picture of the there's a the famous rene magritte this is not a pipe picture so he showed a, an artist who'd actually used a machine vision system on that and it says you know it draws oh, yeah, a square yeah, around yeah. it and oh, says yeah. pipe and of course yeah. the whole thing about that artwork is that it's not about the visual representation of pipe it's saying it's not a pipe it's a visual <laughs> representation of a pipe yeah. but an AI could never make that leap from look you're just showing me a picture of a pipe but a human knows that you're actually showing a representation of a pipe not a pipe literally This is becoming like a dense philosophical podcast It is it, well yeah. we we like to raise the standard yeah, yeah, occasionally yeah. but is I mean that's a big challenge for AI right All it knows is these visual representations. Well, it only knows what it's been trained. It only knows what it's been seen before. It can't really yeah. make inferences beyond the data that it's been exposed to. I mean, yeah. it can certainly make statistical groupings or categorizations or those kinds of things. But but the data set is its bias. Yes. Right? Yeah. And to sort of move beyond that, you have to have understanding, like deep understanding. And I see no research okay. in <laughs> AI algorithms that tend towards understanding. They might seem like they understand in terms of, you know, GPT-2 can produce mm-hmm. sort mm. of comprehensible text. Mm-hmm. But, like, where's the line of it knowing that it was a story that had that was about this person or was about this dolphin or unicorn or whatever it is yeah. versus it just putting together statistically... Yeah, likelihood of a story, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think anybody like any, all of us who work with this kind of technology definitely have like a strong feeling that there's nothing really going on. There's nothing really magical going on. Yeah, when the lights are on, but it. nobody's home. Yeah, which is just kind of in, it's just uh, yeah. If we want to get philosophical, <laughs> it just kind of just I don't know. It kind of it's actually a, a question that really troubles me that I don't like to think about too much. But it's just about like what obviously understanding kind of what we need for that is some kind of consciousness, right? Well, some people think that, yeah, I, I'm, I but I mean, maybe think before consciousness, you actually need the ability to synthesize new knowledge from existing knowledge in a way that goes at a more meta level than current systems do. So okay. the pipe example is a good one. You know, so it's easy for an AI to recognize, it says, yeah, this is a pipe, but it can't understand when the label says this is not a pipe. It just seems contradictory because it literally is contradictory. It's a picture of a pipe and it says this is mm. not a pipe, but what it does is asks you the question about, well, what, what actually are you looking at? You're looking at a representation of something. You're not looking literally at a pipe. You're looking at a picture of a pipe. And, you know, this was this is like over a century old, so it's not like a new thing in contemporary art. Mm. But for AI, it is kind of still a really, really hard challenge. And I, I think, yeah, maybe it is, maybe consciousness is tied up in part of that. I mean, it's... Mm. I, I kind of just see it as like it's like there or it's not in terms of like what is it understanding what it's doing. But yeah. I, can't, I can't kind of like separate myself from that. So I can't even, it's hard to imagine even like, you know, a super smart system that kind of has, you know, a general AI or like, you know, has all this information 
even even that situation, like, does it really have any understanding of what it's processing? Right, and also <laughs> completely different route we're going down now. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's also to me, it's like machine learning. There's a direct motivation. I can see behind the algorithms that are developed, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wh- what's the? What are you trying to get a, out to of? Make make you click on Facebook ads, exactly, yeah. or like drive a car, or yeah. produce text so you can have an automated chatbot. What? No one's trying to make machine learning systems that have cultural understanding, because I'm sure there's people out there trying to make like a general AI. Oh, yeah, there are there's certainly people trying. Yeah, that's I mean, definitely like they want to make like so a robot. OpenAI just got a well a while ago yeah. they got a billion dollars from Microsoft, Microsoft to spend on a general AI. Well, supposedly I like think they're just going to spend it on servers, but <laughs> oh, ads. It's, it's because OpenAI doesn't really make they don't have like a they don't make money, right? So they need they're partners. Open. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is they need money. They need money. They should okay. be yeah. <laughs> they, they need money. So speaking of GPT-2, okay. could you actually get it to critique verbally as well as giving you, uh-huh. you know, because at the moment it gives you kind of one-liners like, you mm. know, a kid could do that or that's totally art or oh, there's a whole lot of sizzlers there that just aggravate people or um, excite <laughs> yes. them. But could could you give a more nuanced, if you tra- like, for example, if you trained a GPT-2 Neural net on a whole lot of art criticism. Well, we'd have to tie that into like the, the visual, visual. Yeah, I don't know how you would well. do that. You'd have to sort of mesh them together because. Well, you say so you've got a database of images that are in the public domain. You know what the images are in the artist. You could look up reviews of that image yeah. and that artist, and then the closest matches you could use as the seed text for a review of this thing, of the picture that you're taking. But are there art critic reviews? of the public domain artworks we have, you know what I mean? Like, uh, good question, yeah. It depends what you mean by review. So there's there's a difference between reviewing and critiquing, right. I guess. So a review is more, yeah, yeah, yeah. A more a more modern thing about should I go and see this mm-hmm. or not? How many stars? Yeah, whereas a critique is more, it's, it's never, as, as we said earlier, it's never more this is bad art, this is good art. It's more well, what is this art about? It's more explanatory about how do people approach this artwork or how do they try and understand it or how do they how does it fit in historically or contextually with other works and so on so yeah it might be a harder problem mm-hmm. i think gpt2 could make some funny <laughs> yeah I mean, funny critiques like you i don't can know train it be... on the on a bunch of critiques and it would be really funny yeah and then it's it... like how do you tie that into like the photo that's being taken yeah i don't know if it would be relevant it'd be funny yeah it could be completely like, just like a random critique yeah <laughs> which could be fun as well which would be it's also there might be a little gem in there that's i mean so the other thing that's sort of the background to this that we kind of laugh at and we think is funny but how much of all human the, the human social interactions and things are built on all these assumptions that aren't really that necessarily true or not yeah you know, some things that we think are really important and really necessary in order to for a, a critique for example to be valuable can often be more easily done by a machine that has almost no knowledge about, well, has no knowledge about all the things we just talked about, like context or history or anything. It's just purely using visual similarity to look at something and say, yeah, well, that's enough like other things that people call art for me to think that that's art. And it's probably right. Is it in a way kind of defeating the whole idea of human superiority in all these areas? Because we, you know, because just a minute ago, I was thinking, okay, art critics are safe. There's no way that AI is really going to... But maybe rev- maybe we should talk about reviewers in more general, like saying, should you go and see uh, this 
this art show? Should you go and watch this film? Should you read this book? Mm. That's probably an area where AI could probably more make an inroad, right? Because it has a much deeper understanding of what came before, like an objective. Yeah. How many humans can recall 100,000 artworks? Nobody. Yeah. You're lucky. If you're really expert, you probably, what, uh, thousands? Yeah. But that, that's true. Tens for, of thousands, but not hundreds movie, of thousands. If it sort of knew the scripts of all the other movies, it could be like, this movie has basically the same plot as Armageddon. Yeah. Mm. And obscure reference there. Yeah, you know, go go see that. <laughs> Which one? Is, that's is that the one with Bruce Willis? Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Armageddon. Armageddon. I think it's on Netflix, isn't it? I am not sure. It's probably in the bottom. I don't know Did you why. Watch it? Did you just watch no, it? No, I was I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they mentioned <laughs> Armageddon. So it's like top of my mind. Mm. It's a terrible. It's it's one of those films about <laughs> existential threat. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, saving the world. <laughs> it, Anyway, sorry, to return to the point. <laughs> what, was the, what was the question? I've forgotten. <laughs> reviews. <laughs> oh, reviews. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It would have a much better recall and it would tell you whether, you know, yeah. this movie has any, any sort of novelty around the plot maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's um, kind of like what recommender different. systems do anyway. All right. So if you're an art reviewer, look out. Look you out. probably want to retrain. If you're an art critic, <laughs> you've got a slightly better chance of holding on to your job for another few years. Is that the consensus or not? Yeah, I think humans can stick around. <laughs> we need, we still need more training data, so I think we should encourage humans to yes. practice. <laughs> practice. Please keep reviewing. Please keep Please reviewing. reviewing. Yeah. Upload yeah. your reviews. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Particularly this podcast, if you feel like. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great segue. <laughs> wow. If you feel like reviewing this podcast, feel free to yeah. give it five stars. If not, on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. So what are we going to talk about now? <laughs> <laughs> there was an interesting thing. So last week we were talking about surveillance you had an interesting story from is it from defcon that came out this week about someone who'd used a tesla in a really interesting way yeah so defcon is on right now and they always have pretty fun talks where you know researchers slash white hat hackers Mm. sort of go crazy in terms of in terms of what they can do one of the great ones was where someone you know would plug in this pre-programmed Arduino into a ATM and it would just start spitting out cash. What? It was because they found this sort of like... <laughs> what? So they found this... this I, mean, I don't want to go into a, a whole explanation of how it worked. Go into a whole lot of explanation about how it works. Into? Okay, so... We've got an Arduino here. We could we could be yeah, rich in yeah. a few minutes' time. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, that I think that was particular one was passed. So ATMs yeah. have... I, this one was uh, the left hearing loop. Is it the hearing loop? No, it was like a port that they left opened, ah. um, which this guy managed to like plug a keyboard into. So when you say a port that they left open, you're talking this about was a, like physical, a debug port, yes. a physical electrical port. Yeah. yeah. So like usually you have debug ports to get diagnostics or whatever out of the system, but mm. it turns out it was just left open in terms of whatever you could plug, you plugged in, the system would recognize. And this is on the front of the ATM. I think it was at the back, like somewhere sort of, sort of hidden. So you couldn't ah, see it, but okay. you know, if you sort of knew where the debug ports were yeah. and they found out they, they could just plug a keyboard or a mouse in and have a keyboard or a mouse sort of show up on the screen. And it turned out <laughs> underneath, it was just running like something on top of, I think it was Windows. Oh boy. And once you sort of have mouse and keyboard <laughs> control, um, obviously they had to do a lot of digging into fi- figuring out how the system was running. But after all that, what they did was they literally recorded all their keyboard strokes and mouse strokes 
that made the ATM just spit out money and programmed that into an Arduino. So when they plugged in the Arduino, it would just execute mouse movements, keyboard movements, just automatically. What is that function though? It's like, oh, the it's probably some diagnostic like, thing to say, okay, re- you know, release the cash with they're testing the machine. Release all the cash? Well, just. I, I mean, I, I don't know the specifics <laughs> enough because this was a while ago, but it's a great presentation. If you have time, you should look at, yeah, look up this great. ATM. It was, and it's amazing to see because they just plug it in and it's like, and it just explodes. <laughs> It's like wow. all your Christmases have come at once. So yeah. it's like to a working ATM that that's like installed in a bank. Yeah, well, it used to be installed, yeah. Mm. They just that was great. Okay, so mm. Defcons have a history of great mm, talks. Yeah. Um and this security researcher, Truman Kane, created this mobile surveillance station, is what he's calling it, where he used his Tesla Model 3. So Teslas have a lot of cameras on them. This is to make the autopilot feature work, so mm. you can do, you know. Lane that, changes that's, that's their big selling point because they don't need LIDAR. Correct. Yeah, it's they just all, use cameras. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it turns out you can get access to those cameras. So Teslas also have a USB port that you can plug into and sort of make your way around and figure out how to get camera feeds. Can you plug an Arduino in and get it to... <laughs> Spit out cash? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah, this researcher sort of was like, okay, uh, what happened? What can I sort of use this for? It, his motivation that he sort of explicitly stated was he thought that all this video that these cars were recording was just like going to waste because they overwrite mm. the video they record. So obviously, otherwise it'd be too much data. Mm. Um, yeah. But he was like, all this information is just being lost. And he just wanted to capture that knowledge. So what he ended up making was a system that would continuously track the number plates that go past you and people's faces that would approach the Tesla and sort of create a database. So it's doing both facial recognition and OCR or character recognition on the number plates. Yeah, once it detects where the number plates are. Yes. And then it would sort of, he built a system that would sort of classify number plates into how risky they are. So like, for example, if the same Mercedes Benz with the same number plate has passed you five times in five days, and that seems a bit weird. Why is the same car passing you? Right? Unless it's your neighbour who's going to a similar workplace to you. Or... Yeah, well, that could be the case. Or yeah. someone could be following you, John, mm. and be after your Tesla. Following, yeah, okay. Mm. And it would automatically classify high-risk cars as the ones it would repeatedly see. In, like, real time. So you could be, like, driving and then be like, oh. It would the... give you a notification real time the really? moment the car goes past saying, Watch out for this. High risk. So if you owned a Mercedes, would you want a Tesla? (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Nita says yes. yes. I I can do surveillance with it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So this system is open source. All you need is a... A Tesla. (laughs) All you need is a Tesla and a $700 NVIDIA GPU. (laughs) Oh, you've got to put an extra GPU in the car. Yes, you do have to run your own GPU. Um, a Jetson or something. A Jetson. Mm-hmm. And you can have a mobile surveillance vehicle. Obviously, this is for like the super paranoid mm. Um, mm. or people on the run, mm. either one. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's infinite possibilities. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I don't hate it. You don't it's like, you know, it's like surveillance, but it's like for a personal kind of... It just of sounds like paranoia to me. I mean... Yeah. yeah. And he admits as such. That, yeah. that it he, actually, he actually want, like he has a use for this 
things for himself. No. I think, I think people just do it to show it. what they can do. Correct. Yeah, it's um, like a, a big technical achievement. Yeah. To and even in also the open source stuff he released, he omitted some of the n- automatic number plate detection stuff uh, mm. because he didn't want that sort of being out there. I mean, you can go and build that yourself. Detection. The face detection, I think, is still in there, but he tied in the face detection with an open database of people. <laughs> like, it's just, apparently there's a database where, like, there's people's faces tied to, like, their name. I don't know if this is, like, scraped from other websites <laughs> or businesses. <laughs> what? Or, what? what? Yeah, Wait, and, so- he, and he linked it into that so you could, like, figure out Someone's a name. match. If there's a match, yeah. Like this person exists in this database. We were just like a criminal database or (laughs) people have recently been released on parole or... I don't know. I I don't know. I can't imagine a good use for it because like, so I'm I'm a cyclist and of course the natural enemy of the cyclist is the car driver. So if I could, so often you have run-ins with cars who, you know, just whatever, they cut in front of you or they don't see you and make you force you to have to steer around them or something. If you could grab their number plates and that went to a centralised database of serial offenders <laughs> and your bike could alert you when one of them was in the, you know, if you, oh. if, if, it, if you had the Tesla equivalent on a bike, mm. which could be possible, and it would alert you, then you could sort of know to take extra care because there's a like a dickhead driver who's about to cut you off or something. Yeah, that, that's a very practical use. Yeah, yeah. could save lives. Could, could save lives. Could yeah. save lives. It's not terribly morally wrong or anything. <laughs> I think, no, I think it's morally it's, righteous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well. Unless someone got a hold of that database and was a very vengeful person and sort of tried to track them down. I guess it is prone mm. to corruption too. Mm. So if well, someone this- someone didn't like you and just put your car in there and then you have every cyclist yeah. egging you or exactly. hitting your bonnet or whatever, the sort of stuff that we yeah. do when we... We don't like car drivers. Yeah, I think building a repository of people yeah. to stay away from is like a bad idea. We could do the reverse. What about people you would like to, like <laughs> nice, so you do the reverse and say, so here's a nice car driver that give them a little this gold star. This is the same star. conversation we had last podcast about good uh, good uses for surveillance. Okay, all right. Well, we're, <laughs> we're going over And now we're ground. still trying to find one, but it's not working. It's not working. Uh, I just thought this was, this was cool that someone yeah. used. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to think. The $80,000 car. Yeah. So wait, how does that tie into the like AI making judgments? Well, it's the, the AI is, through the programming, is making judgments about the safety or the kind of how dodgy someone is. Right. But, but I mean, his parameters are pre-programmed. Yeah, they're human-derived like, parameters. Yeah. It's like if the same car passes you five times in five days or ten times in one day. But that's in, all up to in, you. In a sense, the Art or Not app is the same. For a work of art to get into an art gallery collection... Yeah. People have to say, yeah, this is good art. So yeah. we're just kind of relying on, I yeah. mean, it's okay. It's probably a broader thing because more than one person said this is good art, whereas in this case it's just one person's paranoia. But mm. And you can dial in the paranoia to your <laughs> what, what you think the correct level is. Yeah. So there's another example of, a, of an app kind of making these recommendations, right, or making judgments, and that's, is it, is it pronounced Visco? V-S-C-O. It's a photography app, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure on the pronunciation, but yeah, I call yeah. it Visco. Visco mm. sounds good. Um, so it's well, a, the filter app. Yeah, yeah, a very very popular. Yeah, I've used it. Yeah, it's a good. App. It's a good. Yeah, it's got great filters, but it's and it's got a sort of social component as well. Yeah, it's got yeah. its sort of own sort of feed. Has I think uh, around 160 different presets, which I think they sort of collaborate with photographers with. To yeah, sort of create they're not. Those they're not your sort of just vanilla film. 
Yeah, it's not sort of like yeah. or Instagrammy style things. Yeah. They're more a bit more nuanced than that. Anyway, what's what's their what's their recommender use of it? So a while ago, I think about two months ago, they announced all this photo feature, which is basically Visco recommending you a preset or a collection of presets for the photo. The natural workflow with Visco is you open up your photo, you have like presets in a category. Yeah. And you basically scroll through them, try each one, go nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And well, they're like, we sort of know what presets work with which type of photo. So we'll have another tab where you can pick your photo, go to this tab and we'll pick from the ones that you bought or free ones or whatever, the presets that go really well with this with this photo. But this is sort of Visco deciding. So mm. do you know how they work out what goes with what? Is it based on the database of other photographs that people have selected filters for? Or is this something about the actual image? Like um, the colours in the image or something? It's actually much more simpler than that. So they... There's a mechanical Turk at the other <laughs> end. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more complicated. Ah, okay. So what they do is on device... They take the photo, run it through a convolutional neural network that puts the photo in a category. And the categories are like architecture, landscape, monochrome, yeah, mm. landscape, uh, light and shadow, sort of, you know, sort of descriptive yeah. categories. And that's the only machine learning that's involved. Uh. Once oh. you get okay. this class, this category, this goes up to their servers and they have like a team of, they say, photographers that have chosen the presets that work best with a category and they send that up. It comes, so it's a very, very basic system, unfortunately. I was about to, I was about to say, yes, I would defer to the AI to make that decision for me because I always scroll through the filters and I'm always like going back through each one being like, I I don't know which one's better. (laughs) This always happens to me. Well, that's because most of them are, I mean, there is no best one. Sometimes you just get to one, you're like, ah, that's the one. But then you're like, wait, no, maybe this one. And then you just spend, you can spend so long doing it. But if I had one that was like, ah, this actually is the best one, you know, I would defer to it, but this doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. So we're onto something here. But but if you didn't know, most people aren't going to read this medium engineering blog post of how this thing works. If you were just told. I'm sure it would just look wrong sometimes because it's all it's doing is categorizing it by like by, by the genre really I guess, but it's but it's the visual content of the image it's the visual yeah. content and i like i only listed by i don't know how many categories they more. have but it is a category assigned and then presets that work great with that category mm, and that, we should try it mm. like, i refuse it to try it, something <laughs> that recommends the correct uh, preset to me for uh, my photo <laughs> well yeah no I just think the whole concept of using presets is yeah. I mean, that, but the, see, once you accept that you want to use a preset, then it's it's someone else's judgment about what makes a good photo anyway. So you the amount of judgment that you're doing is pretty minimal if you're just selecting between even if it's a hundred options. Mm. I mean, I guess yeah, there's still some judgment, but really, like I'm I'm kind of with Nina. I think I just go all right, let the machine decide. Mm. Or if you really want to be a photographer. Don't use those things. Do it yourself. Like edit, edit your photos in Lightroom or I don't know. I just I disagree with either you have a hundred percent full control or you have none. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's like either edit everything well, in un- Lightroom. On principle, maybe maybe the reality is different. But on principle, <laughs> you you either you you embrace the the dragon or you slay it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You've lost me. <laughs> yeah, lost. Uh, that was a bit of a weird metaphor, but <laughs> I just 
don't understand the idea of letting a machine choose a, like. Why post the photo? Hold on. Wait, so this is from the person annoying. who authored an app yeah. that, that decides for you if yeah, something's so art. It's different. The whole thing is, no, it, it, it might be interpreted like that, but for me, that's much more fun. It's It has an angle of less seriousness. It's not yeah. A, yeah. a core feature, right? Like, this is a core feature of, and they claim that once they released it, this is the second most clicked on tab. So they have, like, a bunch of tabs you can look mm-hmm. at the presets for. So it's like... Mm featured all recent mm. just for this photo or whatever and this tab has become over a couple months the most the second yeah. most used i can see people wanting to use it yeah i can too but it's like well <laughs> don't take the photo if i guess no but if you're faced with a choice of 150 and it boils it down to like two or three that's a much easier choice does, to make. That is true. It is not giving you one. Yeah. It is sort of giving so you're still you being array. given the illusion of choice. Yeah, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, but it just feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Art or Not is the name of the app. Dupreet, you can download it from the App Store? Yeah, it's iOS only. Um, Why no Android? People are going to be going, well, I'm an Android user. I Why? bought an iPhone just for this app. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, seriously? That's, that's yes. the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you, I got given an iPhone. Oh, you're given <laughs> one. Okay, this, this is app. not an, a paid Apple sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> we no. welcome paid sponsorships, by the way, if you want us to recommend anything. And we can get an AI. We can train an AI to recommend it. So, all right, so it's... <laughs> So it's iOS only. So you've got to own an iPhone basically to use yes. it. Yes. Download um, it from the App Store. Free. Free at the moment. Is are we are we we're trying to monetize it? Are we? No. We're open <laughs> no. to no. We're open free. to galleries who want to have their artworks there to to have in-app purchases. So you could upload. Yeah. A but for the users, it's completely free. Yeah. Users, it's completely free. Download it. Give us your feedback if you like it or not. It's got some social media uh, yeah. chops on it too, hasn't it? Just it's got some nice sharing functionality. Quickly tell us about them. Yeah, so you can the photo you take, um, it'll sort of make a collage of the photo you took, the caption on top of that, plus some of the visually similar results it found from actual artworks. Yeah, only and is that only if it is art? Can you also share if it's no, not you can art? No, no, share, you share anything. anything. Nice. Yeah, like, so, I can imagine people using that for like a little. Uh, Digs. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet at John McCormack. Well, no, what's, is the hashtag art or not? The hashtag, yeah, is art or not. Okay. So it automatically populates that for you. Excellent. Good. Oh, cool. It's a quality app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So download the app, share your posts on social media, and we'll look out for them. Yeah. And if they're good, we'll like them. <laughs> we'll like them regardless. <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Um, also, recommend the podcast to other people if you like it. On iTunes, it's on... Spotify. This is a really hopeless thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like us on... I keep plugging things. Like us on Spotify. <laughs> like us on iTunes. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. Ring like, the, subscribe. Ring the bell. Comment below. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. bye.